Welcome to the Snow West Show. I'm Ryan Harris, host of the Snow West Show, publisher of Snow West Magazine. Um, you guys know we've been around for 50 years. 50 years. 50 flipping years. I don't know if I uh, really expected that to happen, but we had a really big party at 40 years. And I'm glad we did it at 40 years because everybody that was kind of in that core group of people that built the mountain industry mm -hmm. have all retired. Oh, really? So they wouldn't have been around for the 50th anniversary. That's but that's good. So now we're going to do a 50 one, though. Well, apparently we're doing a, a 50th anniversary party at Tony's. Tony oh, that's right. house. Just, yes. Just, everybody's just showing up. He just don't know yet? I don't know. He <laughs> offered. So we're, we're all showing up. Uh, you're going to have to park on the street. I don't know. Maybe bring a side dish or something, but... Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll shoot the address out there at some point. What about tacos? Do you need like taco hookup? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Bring bring your taco guy. That was good stuff. You know, I mean, you missed out. I know. You was this Wednesday? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, Wednesday. Who did your taco? Oh, don't even worry about it. <laughs> you got connections. You got right? your own little <laughs> little I mean, habanero yeah, running around. Yeah, Ryan thought Ryan thought Alvaro <laughs> was 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 true cartel when he met him. But, I mean, the taco, <laughs> yeah. the tacos were good. Tacos it was good, good food. Yeah, that's awesome. We we paid for it the next morning. But, <laughs> like it, it burned on the way out. But hey. it was it was good stuff. That's awesome. In fact, when you when you sent me that text, I, I showed that to Candace because she was texting me like, "Does your stomach hurt?" <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it was good stuff. Oh, um, all right. Before we get going here, um, I want to thank our sponsor. We're brought to you by Polaris Snowmobiles. Uh, Polaris Snowmobiles Pro RMK Chaos RMK. They're engineered for instant lift, effortless control, and immediate response. Check out the 850 RMK. In stock at your local dealer, you could probably find a 9R, and you can probably find a Patriot Boost as well. Um, Bruce, you're a certified Polaris mechanic. Yes, back little, a long little, time ago. little fact of the day. Do you know what Polaris is offering right now for incentives? No. It just came out. No. Because we, we went through that whole COVID era. Right. Where if you, you were lucky to find a sled, and you were probably play, paying way over MSRP. Well, we're, the trucks have come back down. The sleds have come back down. Dirt bikes. Incentives are back. Polaris right now is offering 1.49% financing for 36 months. Really? Or up to $1,500 off or a two-year warranty. That's awesome. Which of those would you take? Well, you can look at it. If you don't have the money, the interest rate's the perfect way to go, right? That's a good interest rate. That's a good interest rate. And then if you need some clothing, I'd probably go with $1,500 cash back. Yeah. But the warranty is also nice. Also, the warranty is good because I mean, you know, we do have some recalls on the Polaris, so warranty would be. Well, the recalls are covered anyway. Well, oh yeah, that's Warrant, true. Warranty doesn't doesn't matter there. It's true, and we're we're past the recalls. We're past the recalls. Past recalls, Re are, recalls done. are history. Yeah, recalls are done. This, week's, this week's over. Up. This week's over. If you haven't got your recalls done, all the fixes are out there. Do you know what I would go choose? Hit your dealer. I I would choose warranty. Yeah. You can't go wrong with warranty. You can't go wrong with warranty. That's and true. What are we on? Doesn't matter what brand you're on. What are we on? Two years of, two years of uh, actual factory boost now. So mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know if they're really if they're really proven yet. So it's like, you know, be nice to be nice to have that extra, extra two years in your back yeah. pocket. Yeah. Take, so take the warranty. Off. I'd go the warranty. But Speaking that's of, awesome. They're doing that because back in the day, everybody offered an incentive. So yeah, yeah, so we're, it's come we're back. back to that. Yeah. So we, you know, we do a lot of truck stuff on the side as well, and trucks were outrageous. And to get a new truck, like even to order a new truck, Ford anyway, like if you ordered a Ford two years ago or last year, you don't have it. You mm -hmm. probably don't have it, especially if it's a 450, you know. Yeah. But everything's starting to catch up, and, and Ram has Ram did like a 10% off, including heavy duties, which 
that's unheard of for the last few years. Yeah. Discounts. Sweet. So, yeah, we're getting back to the wheeling and dealing days. Yeah. Well, as soon as we get back to the, you know, you got three options there that you pick two of the three. Yeah. We're not, we're not quite back yet. I remember when it was, and you know, this and this, mm -hmm. dude, so. you're greedy. We'll get there. We're, we're out there. <laughs> well, you just go, you go talk to your dealer and just say, Hey, you kick me, kick me in some, uh, you know, pants and pants and a jacket and the warranty. We're, yep. we're set. We'll take it. Perfect. All right. Speaking of Polaris, we have uh, we have a really great guest coming on the show here in a minute. Cal Larson. Cal is engineer and director for Polaris Snowmobiles. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk recalls. We're going to answer some questions about uh, recalls and how how that process works and what what these guys as an engineering team go through when these ear, when these recalls appear because they have to go out and they have to they have to come up with a solution and, and fix this. And it's not like when the recall comes out, it comes with the fix right you know it's a government agency that is saying hey we're forcing you to do this and so now the engineering team has to go find something yeah anyway and then guest host so uh, uh again i'm ryan harris uh, we have brock jenna test writer for snow s magazine uh formerly with motorfist gear formerly with arctic cat uh arctic cat sales rep mm -hmm. did that for a while yep uh, now you build Lowe's homes with Justin Stevens. <laughs> I, I do some work with Justin. Yes. <laughs> uh, then we have Bruce Curbs. Uh, Bruce is is uh, Bruce is like a professional baseball player. He's currently in his off season. Uh, farms all farms all summer, and then just dicks around all winter. And we're we're yeah. at the beginning of that stage. Aren't yeah, we? we're at the beginning of that, and we're pretty much pretty much all jealous. I mean, really. Oh, we are. Usually, yeah. our, usually our group uh, our group thread. About Bruce and his job right now. Yeah, a, a few weeks ago he calls and he's like, "Oh man, I have to go to St. George. <laughs> have to go yeah. down there and spend four days." And then he gets there and he's sending us pictures of mountain biking and e bike, the sun, hanging out in the sun. Well, I didn't want you guys to, you know, feel left out. Figured I'd share my have tos with you. Yeah. Oh, well, well, I, I think he was in Disneyland last week. Just know. this week. I just take, go home. Take, take I the kids. I just go home. The kids. I got right? home yesterday. <laughs> Oh, welcome home to Mickey. Still hot. welcome home to the snow. We yeah. finally got snow. I know. That's why I left. Oh yeah, man! Shoveled twice this morning. Mm -hmm. how, how nice was that? It was. It was. Finally got a little white stuff. I've enjoyed it. I've actually enjoyed the. Well, let's go. Let's go ride. Yep. That's what we need to do. Can we now. put this on pause. We can pick this back up. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Right. Um, uh, go to snowwest.com. Check out our <coughs> full line of merch. We've got uh, we got some really cool T-shirts on there. Um, one one of them is a T-shirt that says. Uh, school is important. Sledding is importanter. Which which is funny, but what's funny is how many people at like snowmobile shows have have looked at that T-shirt and then don't understand what the joke is. <laughs> anyway, go to snowwest.com. Check out our T-shirts. Check out our hats. Uh, we have it. We'll be restocked on hats here pretty soon. We have hoodies. Uh, subscribe to the magazine. That keeps us in business. Keeps us going along. Uh, we love testing sleds. We love talking about uh, events and snowmobiles and products. And getting people on here for you. Subscribe to the magazine. Help us out there. Um, coming up on Monday the 18th at 7 p.m., we are going to host the Avalanche Alliance giveaway announcement. It's going to be live. It's going to be on the Snow West Facebook page and the Snow West YouTube channel. We're going to announce the winner, where we're going to draw. So Vicki from Aerie is going to be on there, and she, she, she does all the drawings. So she will draw the winner of the 2023 Patriot Boost 
uh, Chaos RMK 165 that's that's been decked out. That that thing has an Arctic FX wrap, Ice Age parts, starting line products, uh, Zollinger racing products, Zebros, Exit Shocks, Pro Armor, Seat Concepts. So we're going to give that away. We're going to do that live. So tune in for that. First prize, it's not just the sled, too, that, that Avalanche Alliance has given away. So the grand prize is that snowmobile. First prize is a Marlon Explorer Pro, Explore Pro 2 sled deck. Huh. How, who doesn't want a sled deck? I'd take a sled deck. I would take one. Second prize is an Articat ZR200. You know, you could have the kids out there. Yeah. Cruising around that thing. Add it to my fleet. How's, how's your boy, by the way, after torpedoing on the front door? <laughs> He's good. <laughs> I hate to laugh, but that was pretty funny. That should be on TikTok. I, I don't have TikTok, so maybe I'll send it to you and you can throw it on. All right. Yeah, but I want half your commission when TikTok <laughs> explodes. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Um, third prize is a head-to-toe climb winter package complete with an airbag, avalanche airbag. And fourth prize is Ordovox safety kit. That's a beacon, avalanche airbag, bear backpack, and a shovel and a probe. So, again, tune in uh, Monday, December 18th at 7 p.m. Now, you can enter to win this stuff until, what, 11.59 p.m. on December 10th. So there's a couple more days left. That's good. Uh, It's currently sitting at about 111,000 donations, which is pretty good. Where do you go to sign up? Go to avalanchealliance.org, and that's avalanche-alliance.org. And then click on the enter here. Avalanchealliance.org has a lot of great resources for avalanche training and education, seminars, classes, like where to go. And then you click on the entry thing, and it takes you to the the, the site where you, you buy your entries. And I think there's a promotion going on right now. But go to the website, avalanche-alliance.org. Check that out and tune in on December 18th at 7 p.m. That's pretty and, awesome. And we will we'll be giving that thing away live. We're going to have Matt Entz, I think, remotely, and then Dan Adams live. And Dustin Pancarry will be up at up at Climb. We'll be broadcasting live from Climb, and uh, we'll have we'll have Vicky from Airy calling in as well, and uh, uh, John from uh, Live Large Universe is going to be kind of producing this and helping out. So it, it's going to be a really cool. Production. What time did you say that was? Seven p.m. Seven. That, that's you're not that's gonna the be there. You never, you never the work evening. past five, dude. I, I generally try to do two p.m. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you're, I, I try well, to. I try want, to. Do you want me or Bruce to cover for you? Yeah, I, I might need you to. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I try to. You wrap can work up till seven and then take two. the next day off. You'd be amazed how many people drop into canyons and get stuck at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's true. Versus two o'clock in the afternoon. That Ryan leaves. So I leave. <laughs> I leave before that happens. <laughs> Call me. I'm available. I, Just I remember, sitting at home. I remember when Dave, we were over in uh, in Afton, and Dave, we found this jump. I feel really bad because it was, I was taking pictures, and that never goes well. <laughs> and so we found this jump, but it was it was lined by trees on both sides, and it, and it but it was going to be a really cool shot. And so we we scoped it out. And Dave McClure set it up, and Dave goes back, and this is on his uh, black and white mod sled that went this. to heydays, like a really cool looking sled, mm-hmm. and. He comes zipping down the mountain and lines up and hits this jump, and I'm taking pictures, and he drifts, oh, and no. he's in air, and he nails a tree. In midair. In midair, and he, he bails off the sled, ripped the whole front right A-arm <laughs> assembly off, both A-arms, the spindle and everything, off the sled. And that's why I leave at 2 o'clock, because I would have been gone. <laughs> and, and that would have never happened. Dave, never, Dave wouldn't have done that. So we we so took, you were there we, all night. We took all of his parts and uh, bungee corded him onto his backpack, and he side healed out of there by himself. 
Really? <laughs> went, went back to the truck, went home. That's wild. <laughs> Riding with DMC. All right, an adventure. Let's let's get to our guest. Uh, <clears throat> our guest is again Cal Larson, engineering director for Polaris Snowmobiles. What's up, Cal? How are you doing? Hey guys, great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, welcome to the show. So we uh, we've all ridden with you. Uh, we rode with you at Snowshoot. I think Justin and Rhett and I rode. Did were you in Afton last January? I was. Yeah, yeah, I was. Okay, okay. Yep. so we've ridden with you a yep. few times. So. Yeah. Give us a little background on where you come from, because you're you're relatively new to the Polaris engineering team, right? Yeah, well, I'm I'm new to the snow engineering team, we'll say. So I've been in this role for just over a year now. Uh, came on late last year, uh, but I've been with Polaris for 14 years in various forms of engineering. So, you know, always really uh, had a passion for snow, and this is this is where I wanted to get at, at some point in my career. And so to you know to be able to have this opportunity is is pretty darn cool. So how did you wind up in the, with the snow team? Cause it, there's some big shoes to fill there. Like we're going to talk, talk a little bit about Marty Sampson and some of those oh, wild, wild stories, but yeah. How yeah. did you wind up with the snow team? Yeah. I mean, well, honestly it started, you know, right when I, right when I started at Polaris, I uh, just tried to get involved as much as I could with the crew. And so, you know, as a, a supplier quality engineer, when I started out and, you know, really just tried to get in and support, I had an opportunity to go out the snow shoot very early on. Um, you know, as a supplier quality guy, really not uh, not a ton of reason to be out there other than just to support the snow team and get to know everybody and, you know, just try to keep the connections. And so when the uh, when the opportunity came up that, uh, you know, folks within Polaris knew who I was, knew what I was about, knew how much desire and passion I had for it. And um, ultimately, you know, that comes through in, in everything that I do on a daily basis. So that was kind of the, the inroads and, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, continue to stay close with, with our uh, validation team, did some work with them on uh, kind of some of the final boost validation, got an opportunity to go right out west with those guys for a week. And um, yeah, just tried to stay close. So engineering director for for, for all sure. of Polaris Snowmobiles, that includes RMK, right. but you're all of Polaris Snowmobiles. What, what does that, what does that mean? Like, like what's your job description? What do you do on a daily basis, yearly basis? What are you over? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's inclusive of you know all of our snow models as well as timber sled, timber sled honestly. So uh, we, uh, you know, it's anywhere from our project teams that are working on any of the out years or even current uh, model year changeover items, uh, validation team, design team, development team. I mean, you know, we work closely with quality. Uh, it's and then we just integrate very well with you know, the rest of the organization between you know some of our safety and quality teams obviously we'll talk about that a little bit but uh, our sourcing teams and just uh, and manufacturing just making sure that we uh you know continue to to function well as uh, like i like to say one team so let's be honest if you work at polaris like maybe you're working for off-road you're working on the razors or the generals everybody wants to mm -hmm. work on the snow team everybody wants to work on the snow team isn't that well, not just like the so. goal <laughs> <laughs> I sure think so. You know, we've got a lot of guys that are in Razor and uh, Ranger Land that uh, they go out and ride every year. They're they're just as excited to see the uh, the new snow checks come out as everybody else. It's it's actually hilarious. The day that we we launch uh, the new model year sleds, you walk around the office and uh, there's a whole lot of snowmobiles pulled up. Uh, the snow checker pulled up on computer screens because people are just jazzed about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. The seasonality, you can't beat that. I mean, you can ride razors all year long. And, and yeah, they come out with, with new razors, and they just come out with them whenever they 
they want, it seems. But when you've got everybody knows that you've got something new coming out at the end of February or first week of March, like there's there's still that anticipation that you don't get anywhere else. I think anyway. Yep. It, it's fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, it's 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 kind of a it's a little bit of a blessing and a curse, right? Like we know we there's dates that we're we're marching to every year, but uh the seasonality of, of having snow, uh, and having that launch period and, and our, you know, our, our time to manufacture, it's, that's a challenge. I, I honestly kind of underestimated it, uh, coming into the role on, on how much, uh, stress that put on different levels of the organization. So it's, uh, it's been fun to be a part of, but, uh, something that we have to, you know, constantly work around. Well, and you guys are writers, like, like, like I, I mentioned Marty Sampson earlier, you know, some of the the craziest rides I've ever done as a mountain rider have been with, with Marty Sampson on Polaris prototype snowmobiles with absolutely zero regard for that $250,000 prototype unit. I mean, <laughs> rocks, trees, you name it. Like Marty was king of just dropping in some unknown land and doing anything you needed to do to get back out. But it, it built, uh, that's where I, I always tell people that story just, uh, and there's some specific rides that, that are really gnarly with, with, uh, marty and lyle and and uh i i think that kind of just to me explains the heritage of rmk like why it does what it does like like why it gets up on top of the snow as well as it does and goes through deep snow and why lightweight is so important um so cal what what is the process just kind of an overview of how the engineering process works how do you take something because you you're working, I'm guessing you're working on model year 27, 28. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're dead on. So what, what is, what's the process from an engineering standpoint, somebody brings a new idea or let's, let's say you're, you're, you're changing a platform. Like, like when you met, went, went to matrix or, or Axis. how far in advance was that? And then what is the process? What are the teams involved? How do you, how do you deal with that? That, I, I, people probably think it's just a snap of the fingers and you can change a model. There's a lot going oh, on. There's a ton going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, get, you're right. You know, we're working on 27, 28, um, along with, you know, some obviously next year's models coming out too. But, um, you know, when we start to look further out, it's, uh, it always starts with the customer, you know, so we have really good integrations, uh, with the product team. Um, you know, they're coming to us like, Hey, this is, this is what we're hearing. These are the things that are great. These are the things we darn well better not screw up. Make sure that we stay true to that. These are the opportunities that people are asking for, and how do we start to integrate that in? And um, so, it, you know, it comes with a, a pretty high-level ask, and um, you know, then the the engineering team kind of takes that and starts to digest it. You know, what what does this mean? What what uh, you know device can we come up with, or technology can we implement, and and how do we spec this appropriately so that we meet you know meet some of the asks of the other customers and, and how do we do it in not only you know high technology and, and really cool features but do it in a manner that uh, that delivers quality durability and, and everything on top of that so we're at a stage now where you know the sleds are they're incredible right like I mean it, it's unbelievable what they're capable of and so you know we're fine-tuning a lot of things we're trying to find you know that next edge and, and next leg up and uh, you know it's, it's a pretty cool process to be a part of and see and it and then it just kind of continues to cascade from there you're right. We we built some prototypes that are uh, that are not cheap, uh, and uh, but they're so incredibly valuable from a learning perspective because you know we do a ton of work in uh, you know in CAD land and and advanced uh, advanced design 
but really uh, the rubber hits the road when you're you're putting sleds on the snow and you're um, so you're seeing how they react to some of the design thoughts and processes that you put in place and um, so yeah we just continue to work it from there and um, you know still a ton of work goes into the like the industrial design of it right you got they got to look cool but uh, in order to look cool they have to function well they have to have the right wind, wind protection or ability to slice through the snow and um, and all that so um, and oh by the way everything still has to fit under the hood uh, and so it's uh it's a pretty big, you know, all-in engineering feat uh, to uh, to execute, but absolutely incredible to be a part of. Cal, do you guys have <clears throat> like a set? I know you ride, and you're a good rider. Do you have a a set riding group that kind of goes out and does this, or do you rely on a lot of like your ambassadors, like your Chris Brands and all that stuff, to put in feedback on your sleds? Like, how does that how does that how tie does in together? Tie in? I guess. Yeah, you know, that, that's the cool part about the snow industry is, you know, there's so many sources for feedback and input. Um, so do we have a crew? Absolutely, right? We've got a full-blown uh, validation and test team. I mean, these guys are putting on, right, last year, we, we at the end of the year, we kind of went through some stats. They put on over 200,000 miles on sleds, like 6,300 combined hours of testing. I mean, it's just insane amounts of hours. We had you know, a couple of our uh, our mountain test riders individually put on over 430, 440 hours worth of seat time. Um, so yeah, we got fully dedicated teams to, to doing the validation part. Um, the other side of it is we've got, you know, development engineers and project engineers, and honestly, pretty much anybody that works uh, on a, uh, or in snow is uh, is enabled to go ride and, and understand, uh, understand the customer, the use case, um, provide that input. Um, so it's a really, it's a big conglomerate of, of uh, not only riding, but input from, from everybody. And yeah, we're, we're absolutely connecting with, with guys like Chris and Matt and Dan and, and the whole uh, crew of, of uh, athletes and ambassadors to make sure that we're, we're listening, we're hearing um, and, uh, and working to make things better. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. So let I want to ask you a few questions about like the, the 2024s because you issued to the media heydays. You guys gave us this little printout that had all the, the product and quality updates for model year 24. Yeah. Um, and this, this is things like, uh, you know, like Ben Burke on his own caught this one, the, the two six track is, uh, went from a, a center drive, drive shaft to the the same style drive shaft as the three five pitch tracks which are two extrovert mm -hmm. drivers on the outside of the drive shaft like so that, that was yep. a change over to 24 what what are some other things that you guys have done specifically to the rmks yeah yeah i mean that's a, that's a big one right as we you know as we learn more about uh you know how our tracks work and um you know how they're able to resist ratcheting and and improve efficiencies and all that stuff like to be able to carry that over into other models is a is a huge win for us you know we've got a lot of different models and a lot of different tracks out there so absolutely that was a big one um you know last year arguably um you know rmk was the kind of the one segment that got they got some news with the with the 325 and the reversible scratchers and um you know maybe a little bit well, undersold from our broader spe spectrum because those those things are absolutely phenomenal. Um, and we could talk about those too, but um, you know, then we also focused a bunch on on quality. Uh, last year was really a year of of quality and execution, uh, and so 
Um, you know, we did things like we updated uh, the brake rotor. So it's it's actually a little bit lighter weight, but the, the core driver behind it was was heat management. And so making sure that we can we could uh, reject the heat a little bit better, uh, maintain that that temperature. And, and along with that, we paired a what we call in the high retraction caliper. So high retraction is a is kind of an overstatement, right? We we actually um, move the retraction by about seven thousandths on average. So um, it's finding that right balance where you know we've we've come to love and appreciate the responsiveness of the brake system on RMKs. I mean that maintains control unbelievably. And um, you know obviously we had we had the issue at the beginning of last year where we had to update some of the software to uh, protect from some of the like inadvertent brake riding. And this was another opportunity for us to. Uh, give the rider a little bit more play and feel in that so that there's not some inadvertent, um, you know, squeezing of the brake. So that that was a, a real big one for us. And, you know, we continue to look for opportunities as we go forward to uh, to improve uh, those situations while not, you know, losing any sort of uh, a quality or feeling um, or performance of the system. So that, that, was a, that was a big one for sure. So I'm looking at one, uh, the boost fuel pressure sensor. So you're running a little mm. more more pressure to that or what, what did you change on that for 24? No, no. What's so? This is you know part of part of our process of just staying close to uh, to the field and understanding you know so the signals that we get. We we uncovered uh, an area of of kind of some resonance or some extra vibration uh, in in those uh, sleds that year, um, and so uh, we were seeing some we'll say some higher uh, failure rates on some of the boost fuel pressure sensor wires. Um, and so what we did is we, we took, uh, you know, really proactive or, or quick approach to uh, rectifying some of those issues. And so we updated the, uh, the actual wiring itself that's a bit more robust to super high vibration um, type applications. I mean, you know, we, we talk about two strokes and, uh, you know, how much they, how much vibration they have compared to a lot of other automotive or off-road applications. And so... Um, taking some learnings across the board and just again all in the effort of improving both the quality and the durability of, of some of these systems you guys have any questions so far um no i just think it's crazy how fine like you mentioned how, what was your on your brake caliper what was your thousands on seven thousands seven thousands that they're you know what i mean that they work with that little of numbers i guess it's it's kind of kind of cool to listen and know that you guys are fine tuning, like fine is a huge word, tuning your sleds to make them better for the the, the public. So that's pretty cool. And, and, that, and that caliper yeah. retraction allows you to to rest a finger on the brake lever without engaging, right? That's kind of the objective there. Yeah, that's the objective is to give a little bit more, um, I guess, leeway to uh, that that situation where if you're you know if you're resting your finger on that brake, like you know we're, we've been taught to do, and um, and gives us that maximum control of the sled that, you know, sometimes we get into situations where we don't, you know, as a rider, you're so focused on everything else that's coming at you, you, you may not realize that you're actually applying just a little bit of pressure and uh, to that brake. And, and when you do that, you know, your pad pressure on disc and things, you know, can, can heat up quickly when you got the speeds that were, that our tracks are running. And so, yeah, it just gives a little bit more leeway to, to that situation and um, gives the operator a little more opportunity to, to kind of feather that in. You got anything? No, that's, so, that's good. Uh, so on, on the tracks, Cal, I've always wondered this, like, uh, because the, the drive shaft change that we just talked about on the two, six track. So that's a 2.86 pitch, but it, it now has the same drive shaft set up as the three and a half inch pitch. How are you guys measuring like 
um, track tension and how much drag that has on a snowmobile or how much efficiency the powertrain has, if you can decrease track yeah. tension. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, we, we kind of have a relatively standard, uh, track tension, you know, process and, and, uh, and spec, um, as it comes out for everything, but we have a ton of, uh, you know, back end processes we'll say that we're we're working on to ensure that we've got the right uh, level of uh, not only tension but as we start to fine tune some of the the track characteristics you know how much lift and traction or forward drive that it's got um, we got a whole bunch of sensors that will will you know, outfit some of our sleds with um, that can kind of give us some really good indications of you know when things are getting too tight um, and we start to lose efficiency we can see that through the drive line. Um, if the track gets to be too loose, we can start to hear it through potential ratcheting or, or slipping of the driveline or even just kind of a, a call it too low um, of a driveline effort. And so we can we can measure all that stuff now, which is which is pretty darn cool um, and then apply some changes and then you know go back to it and, and keep fine tuning. So what is it about a track lug design that makes <laughs> a track lift versus another track that will just dig? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's uh, it's it's kind of an art, honestly. Um, and and the you know my whole development team, Jesse, Josh, you know Jeff, Jeremy, these guys know a heck of a lot more about it than I do. Um, so they've uh, they've armed me uh, with enough information to be somewhat dangerous and understanding of kind of how they go about their business. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it, right? Um, a lot of key characteristics of the track is like. A, you know, does it generate lift? Um, and that's a different characteristic than generating forward drive or, or traction. Um, and then on top of that, it's like, how do you control that track speed and make sure that you've got the right amount of efficiency? And so there's a lot of different, you know, levers that the team um, pulls to um, to uh, kind of fine tune uh, how those tracks operate. It's, um, it's kind of like, you know, we do a ton of suspension tuning, right? And, you know, that's, there's some there's some feel and some characteristics that you're looking for, um, but again we we do a lot of instrumenting of the sled to understand you know we can see when it's actually generating lift and getting up out of the snow, um, we can see how much uh, torque there is on the driveline when we're trying to go you know through the snow and so it's it's trying to find that that right balance. Um, it has to do with you know the spacing of the lugs, um, the height, the the profile of them, um, amongst other factors as well, but. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of an art and, and a bunch of fine-tuning to, to make sure that it's doing what we anticipate and expect it to do. So so how do you determine when you want to make the jump from a 286 pitch to a three-and-a-half-inch pitch? Like, is it mm-hmm. is it because of how many lugs you have, how tall the lug is, how big of a bite of snow you want to take? Like, what, what's the determining factor there? Light, do you want to go lighter? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of in the architecture of the sled that kind of helps the road enables us to determine um, the pitch and, and the lugs. So um, really, you know, going to a 3.5 pitch uh, enables us to be as light of weight as possible. So when you have, you know, less uh, less drivers, um, it obviously takes mass out, it takes rotating mass out. Um, so it enables a lot of performance-based items, like, you know, how fast you can get that track spin in, um, you know, how much efficiency do you have in it. And so the 3.5 pitch is really all around that. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's it's a fine-tuned balance between, um, you know, how light can you go and how high performance can you go and, and balancing that with 
uh, you know, the, the ratchet resistance and whatnot. And so um, it's also determined by how big of a lug height we can fit inside of the, inside of the tunnel. And so you, you're running the same drive shaft from the 275 track to the 325 track, right? Yeah. Yep. And so how much clearance do you have in the tunnel with that 325 track? Well, she's pretty tight, but uh, I'll say just enough. Just, just uh, enough. <laughs> pretty tight. Just enough. <laughs> and the reason I say that, like, obviously, you know, there's been some questions about, can I, well, can I take that uh, 325 and uh, put it back onto a previous model year uh, because I got the same drive shaft and, um, right now, you know, the answer, unfortunately, is no, because we actually had to do a little bit of work to uh, to get a little bit extra clearance in there um, as we went to the model year 24s. So, um, yeah, it's uh, we're right right on the right on the line there. How is your um, overspeed warning with your track and everything? Um, yeah. How how's that? I guess working out because I know a lot of well, not a lot, just a few people you talk to, players, gurus, are were pretty concerned about that last year and kind of wondering how all that's going to pan out, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of guys go more than 50 mile an hour down the trail, but I know it's a yeah. mountain sled too. So how does, how's that kind of panned out for you? Well, it's, I mean, it's early right in the season. So we, we haven't seen a whole lot of indications of any concerns around that right now, but um, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a very purpose designed track. Uh, it's, you know, we, we like to think of our 275 as our, you know, maybe, uh, to put it in different terms, a little bit more of your all-terrain tire type uh, design that's just really high-performance, lightweight track that just works well in all these, these snow conditions. But then you, you go to the 325 and um, things just, you know, amazing and, and super deep. The deeper it gets, the better it is. And, and it's kind of, you know, in that similar term, a little bit maybe more like your mud tire mm -hmm. as an application. You're probably not going to drive down a, a paved road with a mud tire um, as fast as you would with an, with an all-terrain, right? And it's kind of the similar similar situation here is you just kind of got to take some of that into into consideration that it's it's truly purpose-built and um and so it's that's the purpose of the warning right is just to allow um the rider to to be aware of when they're you know either heating the track up too much or um or in at risk of uh, you know of damaging it so you know that that's the whole intent of it and obviously the scratchers help a ton um so not only are they reversible but the the cooling performance out of those scratchers this year are you know, significantly better than in our past. We're able to to keep the, the uh, coolant temperature down quite a bit further in quite a bit lower snow conditions. And so we really, you know, encourage everybody when you're on trail to, to really use those scratchers. But yeah, it's important to, to you know, respect the fact that you know, we're trying to build incredibly high performance uh, machines for, in some cases, specific specific environments. And um, this happens to be one of those. Yeah. Talk, talk cool. about how, how the track gets hot going down the trail. Because I, I think people are familiar with high fax melting and your sled overheating, but mm -hmm. nobody's really thought about my track is getting hot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, myself included, you know, for the longest time, I used to think, oh, you know, uh, scratchers are only to keep my engine temp cool. Um, and, and that's, you know, not even remotely the case. It's it's way more than that. It, it keeps both the engine uh, cool as well as is the track and um, you know when you think about it that track is is uh, you know, it's rubber it's whipping around uh, you know fairly tight radiuses when you think about it and so there's a whole lot of um, you know bending and movement of that rubber and you know anytime you you bend something fast back and forth a whole bunch of times it, it gets hot like that's just that's just physics right so um, the more uh, rubber and, and motion there is there and the faster that you're going the more heat you're generating and so um, 
heat is is not a friend when you think about durability at, at speed so you want to make sure that you're um, keeping keeping things cool uh, you know same same with your engine you want to keep things cool it just performs better and it lasts longer well and people people are probably thinking like well okay why don't you just make a stronger track then well you could but it would weigh twice as much the whole point is to have a lightweight yeah, right. efficient machine right yeah that's i mean that's where we're at we're, we're balancing a lot of factors we're trying to make sure that we've got you know, the lightest yet most high performance machine on the market while maintaining uh, durability expectations that, you know, myself, all of us as customers have. And so um, there's there's always a little bit of that, you know, toe in the line that we're doing and trying to make sure that we've we've got the best recipe. And um, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Cal, this, uh, this is Brock. It's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty awesome to sit here and listen to you talk about the amount of time uh, you know, the amount of people, the staff that you have on every, every little detail. We've been talking about tracks for what, 15 minutes, just about tracks. Um, you did say something about keeping the engine cool, but I, as I was reading some of these updates on the engine, talk to me a little bit about the, uh, about the new spark plug. And is that, uh, is that something you'd recommend that they put in the 23s as well? Cause it looks like it's coming in the 24s. Yeah, definitely coming in the 24s. Um, you know, the the hotter heat range spark plug is is something that we've been looking at for a while and um, and wanting to to implement just to really start to uh, try and resist uh, the fouling um, that you know we've we've heard about and and uh, and see you know obviously we put uh, some extra fuel and oil in during break in um, you know if we're not getting that out uh, through you know heat cycles or or running the machine longer sometimes that. That can be a little bit of a challenge, and and this uh, this spark plug kind of helps that. It also helps with, you know, some you know we'll call it lower quality fuels and things of that nature. So, um, helps the burn process. And yeah, I think you know if if you run into some issues like that, it's it's recommended to uh to transition to that to that plug. Um, the one thing that I would say is you know we're um, we work directly uh, with NGK and, and and our partners to to design these things for our applications. And so there's a whole bunch of you know, off-the-shelf NGK plugs that you can go, um, you know, grab off the shelf. But um, it's actually incredibly important to uh, run run our specific plugs because of the um, the way that they're constructed and designed. You're not going to have things, uh, the caps falling off or, or vibrating off um, and things of that nature. So there's a lot that goes into it, even if it might think that it's just a, a standard NGK plug. Does that hotter plug help with starting as well? Oh, you know, I... I don't know that I can even answer that question. I'm not sure. I'd I'd lean on my powertrain guys to, to answer that one. All right. Um, so let let's jump in. Let's let's jump into the recall stuff. I know there's everybody's sure. listening is gonna be like, all right, you can ask about the recalls. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, what what's going on there? Why why were there so many all at once? And then how how what goes into what's the process of you guys deciding to issue a recall? And then yeah. how do you, what, what does your team do kind of behind the scenes to address that and, and deal with it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's an absolutely fair question. Um, it's been a, it's been an interesting year, I'll put it that way. You know, I kind of I came into the role when we were right in the midst of uh, our fuel tank recall, one of the, I think the biggest recalls in, in Polaris history potentially. And, um, you know, we're, uh, the team had been working on that one for a while and, and working through the execution pieces. And then, you know, we've had a, had a couple others since then. Um, but the, the, I think at the crux of it, right, we, 
we take a ton of pride in making sure that we're putting our riders and customers first in, in really everything that we do, whether that's the design, the performance of the sled, and, and certainly the safety of it. And so, um, you know, when when safety comes as a topic, uh, it is at the center of, of everything that we do, right? It's the primary factor that we have when we're when we're making a decision on whether or not to um, to recall something. And uh, you know, over the the last several years, you ask, you know, okay, well, why why is there so many more right now? Uh, it, the last several years, we've invested just a ton of um, money into processes and people to make sure that we are uh, identifying, able to identify the issues incredibly fast and incredible, like real time. Um, and so, you know, one of those processes we call it our, our post-sales surveillance. Um, and so we've got, you know, a, a, a crew of folks um, that are really scouring every uh, every potential opportunity there is out there to get some data, whether that's you know, forums or whether that's social media, warranty claims, dealer contacts, customer contacts. I mean, it, like I said before, it's a really tight knit community um, within the snowmobile industry. And so we're, we're monitoring all of those signals. And as soon as we get one, that's like, oh boy, this, you know, this, this could have a, an impact on safety. It's like immediately we jump on it and we start going into that investigation phase. And so um, that's, I'd say that's probably one of the reasons that we've, we've been maybe a little bit um, heavier on them is just more scrutiny and detail around understanding, hearing, seeing those signals and, and reacting really quickly. So man, like, like last week, so CPSA, which is the government consumer product. Consumer protection. Consumer protection safety administration. There we go. I mean, it almost feels like an IRS tax audit. Like, like they found you and like once the handlebar hooks came, it felt like, well, this, okay, this is a little too much, but but when uh, we so we posted about one, it was the nine R and the eight fifty electric start is the ring gear on the primary clutches. It wasn't a new recall though; it was actually just the CPSA announcing that recall. But you guys had done the recall months ago, and you already had a fix out. Mm-hmm. So we inadvertently created some confusion there. But how how does a consumer how do you how do you tell the difference in the new and the old? How do you, how do you communicate that? Yeah, I mean that's a really good question because it like it feels like there's a whole bunch of communication that comes out around it, right? And um, it generates a, a quite a bit of a buzz right away, which you know honestly by design like that's intended. We need to make sure that we're getting the the message out to the the, the consumers when when we identify an issue. And so you know we look at it and you know, we have basically three different phases, right? And you know the one thing that I'll say is yes, we are governed uh, by the CPSC. Um, but uh, honestly speaking, like that's not the driver for, um, you know, when we decide or why we decide to issue a safety related recall. It is, it is truly because we've identified a, a potential issue. We look at it and we say, you know, if this potentially has an impact on a rider safety, we're going to do something about it. Like that is, that is our, like, that's our belief We're we're putting the rider safety first. And so, um, you know, the three different phases really that we go through is the first one is, yeah, we identify the issue. And once we figure out that it is a safety concern, we're, we're going to announce right away. Um, you know, we, we've got some internal processes to make sure that it is truly, a, you know, a safety issue. We try to limit the population the best that we can based on a whole bunch of data. Um, but we announce it, we communicate the stop right. And um, for a lot of folks, I, I think that can be you know, painful to have a, a stop right issued and you're like, well, why, how the heck can you do that when you don't have a fix identified or validated? And um, really, again, it's just making sure that, that the consumers are aware of the issue and, um, you know, are, are 
um, you know, not putting themselves in harm way. And so second step is really then where we, I mean, at, at that point, our teams are working like absolute mad to uh, figure out the issue, get to the root cause, make sure that we understand it to the deepest level, figure out what the fix is, implement the fix, validate, um, and, and then, you know, start to work the, uh, the supply chain side and make sure that we got parts to get out there because that's that's the other thing when you when you get into these situations right your supply chain is ramped up for normal production and now listen if we have to go you know stack a bunch of clutches as an example back on top of it it, it takes some time to get them them spooled up so that's phase two we identify the fix we validate it and get it fully approved internally and then we issue that kind of that second round of communication that the repairs are are available and so it's like okay Go get your stuff fixed. Uh, you know, it's at the dealers where we're trying to push as you know as many parts availability out as we physically can. Um, and then the last phase that that you guys kind of alluded to is um, on the CPSC side. Um, you know, we we inform them when we have an issue, uh, and we also share with them what our fix is. Um, and there's an approval process that goes along in there. And once once the CPSC is as kind of blessed uh, the the fixes and the issues. Then they'll they'll formally issue their recall, um, and so then that that latter recall communication is released. And in, in this case, right, like last uh, the other week when we we issued that on the um, on the clutches, it looked like it, it can look like a new recall, but really it's just that final announcement that yep, CPSC is on board and and, and has kind of uh, formally issued the recall letter, and and we just make sure that we're communicating once again. Hey, the stuff's out there. You can go get your stuff fixed. So high level like that's that's really how we operate so so that the process is not like there's a government watchdog agency that's coming in and slapping your hands because your product isn't up to par this is all voluntary internal stuff where you're like okay we've identified something we're going to deal with it and then we're going to let the, the government agency know what we're doing Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, a, that's right. That's I mean, like, you know, in, in, in any case, right, you like all of us manufacturers, whether it's automotive, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, the toilet paper industry, like we're, we're all governed by some regulatory body, right? And so there's, there's um, things that you have to comply to and things of that nature. So that's always true. But from our standpoint, it's like, we need to take the action. Um, and we need to make sure that our riders are safe and be proactive. And then, you know, that uh, actually, it, it works well to be able to communicate. This is what we know. This is what we're doing about it. You know, CPSC, and and um, and then we can partner with them really well to make sure that we're all on the same page. Now, the the timing on a couple of these, especially the ones early on, those kind of hurt. Cool. Oh. That that was that was yeah. unfortunate timing. That'd be like getting your toilet paper recalled as you were sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. That was. Um, that was the break one for me. I will uh, honestly, God, never forget that day. Um, you know, I was, uh, but a couple months into the role, and uh, when we found that one and, and started to work through, I think that was a November-ish time frame of last year. And unlike this year, we had good snow, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a really tough one because uh, right right getting going into the season, everybody's all pumped up to get riding, and and then we got this going on, and so yeah, we. We work hard, fast. I mean, we're we're the same. Like we're we're not. We can't go out and ride our sleds, you know, when we don't have a, a recall fix either. Other than obviously the testing piece of it, when we're doing it under really controlled situations. But like we all want to ride too, and it's 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 painful when we when we you know have to kind of deal with some of that. But it's it's the right thing to do. Like it yeah. is truly the right thing to do to make sure that everybody's safe. 
Well, I hate to tell you, Cal, when I saw that stop ride, I did not stop riding. <laughs> that was supposed to be a secret, right? <laughs> and and the, cop, the cops did not show up. Didn't hear up. that. <laughs> oh, hey, Cal, yeah, but uh, you know the other. But the other part of it, though, like you, you were aware of the situation, right? Like we brought a bunch of awareness to the situation. You can maybe then, um, at a bare minimum, you know, hopefully everybody's aware, um, and they can understand. You know, we're all taking risks every day, right? You go out and you ride a snowmobile, you're taking a risk, right? Like it, that is, you, you go drive a car, you're taking a risk, and so. Um, obviously that's our, our stance is very, very clear, right? Don't ride, make sure that you get this fixed. We haven't, you know, identified an issue, but at a bare minimum, at least our, commu- our consumers are, are being made aware real time. Like as soon as we find it. That's a good point. Yeah. Did, did you have something? I did, but I can't remember. What I, was I had a quick now. question. Just, uh, just touch on right quick, the difference in, uh, difference in recalls. And then service advisories and bulletins. Yeah, sure. Um, so you know, uh, service bulletins for us are really about you know proactively getting out there. So if we identify a um, you know a potential quality issue, we've gone through the process steps to make sure that it's not a safety issue, um, but could still be a like a weekend ruiner, right? Like well, that that sucks too, right? None of us want to have that uh, that scenario, and so. You know, we'll go out and, and proactively work with our dealers to uh, to get things resolved. Um, that's kind of the service bolt inside of the equation. And then, um, you know, recall obviously is is for us a, a stop ride. Like, don't don't ride your product until we actually have the fix. Um, and so that's that's kind of the the difference between between a couple of those. There's some other you know minor steps in there in terms of how we work with the dealers, um, but but that's that's the basic difference. So it, it does seem like we've had more recalls the last few years. Is that just technology getting better, uh, more advanced, um, more, I guess, fine-tuning on you guys' side? You know, because, you know, early, well, around 2015, 16, you just never heard of a recall, mm-hmm. maybe a service bulletin like Brock mentioned. But Oh, come just... on. You've heard of recalls. You write articles. Dude, there's no recalls. You just write them. You just put gas in them and go. <laughs> no, just wondering, is that t- due to technology and everything just getting big, bigger and better, or, or why do you think there's more recalls lately? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a couple things. One, um, our signals are, like, we're monitoring our signals a heck of a lot more, and we're reacting a lot faster, um, and and probably to, you know, fewer instances of, of safety concerns, right? Like, uh, we're... Um, you know, being a little, well, quite a bit more risk adverse uh, on that front. And we're just being very proactive. I think the other piece of it is um, riding styles have, have changed over the years, right? Like, I mean, I don't know, think you know, think back not too many years ago and um, you think about some of the styles in mountain and, you know, now we're riding super tight trees and you have to have ultimate control of your sled. And, um, you know, part of that, like we go back to the brakes, ultimate control means you got throttles, you got brakes, you, you, you're maintaining both of those sometimes simultaneously and um in managing some of that we've got boosted sleds we got nine r's like the power and the capability that these sleds have now to to get into certain situations is um you know it's pushing things right and so um i think a little bit between some of the riding styles and capabilities and areas that we're able to get combined with you know how uh, how closely we're monitoring things like that that's probably the combination of those two is 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 why we're starting to you know, be, maybe have a, a few more pop up here. Gotcha. Uh, I had a I had a question that I've I've thought of and forgot about six times, and it just popped in my head, so I wrote it down. What what comes first? Because this goes back to the beginning of the conversation. 
you're an engineer. What, what comes first on a new concept, the look and the body and the shape or the engineering and the mechanical side? So like, are, uh, are you limited as an engineer by everything fitting in the way it's been designed to look, or does that come after the fact? It is a seriously a joint effort. Um, there, so we start obviously like with, with the consumer, like what, what do we want to do? And, um, and part of that is what do we want it to look like? What style do we want it to have? Um, but you know, honestly, we're st- we're still um, we put clay on uh, on models. We're making full life size clay models out of things. And so as we're doing that, a phenomenal process to watch. By the way, those guys are, are crazy cool. Um, while we're doing that, engineers are are standing in that room with them talking about it. Like, hey, I don't know, this isn't gonna fit, or I don't know if the exhaust is gonna fit under there, or you know, hey, we need better protection in this case, or that ergonomic isn't gonna work out right. So it's, um, honestly, it's a, it's a truly a joint effort right, right from the get go. All right. Pretty sweet. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll let you go here. We've been on for, for quite a while. I know you, you had some limited time here, but I, I do want to ask you, um, say you have a sled deck. So you've got two spots on your sled deck and, and we're in the mountains. None of this, none of this lake mm-hmm. racing stuff. We're in the mountains. <laughs> we're, we're going to ride in Wyoming, going ride in your backyard. What two sleds are you putting on that sled deck for the whole season? Uh, yeah, easy. Uh, 9R Chaos with uh, 155 with the 275 track huh. and uh, Pro Boost 155 with the 325 track. Okay, why the smaller track on the 9R? Uh, I personally like the, uh, the playfulness uh, of those. And so, when, you know, when you think about Chaos and kind of some of the snappiness that that motor brings to the table, um, I, I like the short track. I like I like kind of more of the you know being able to bring that the nose up and around. Um, so I, I just like the maneuverability. Gotcha. So why uh, why did you do a pro on the boost? Just for the opposite of that stability. A little bit of the opposite, right? Like the three twenty five gives a like a kind of a whole new level to the game. Like I experienced it last year, and I was like, I I personally could hardly believe how much you could feel the 325 um it it was kind of a mind blower for me um and you know as i think about uh you guys called what what the heck was it called cardi b last year oh yeah cardi b that thing or that was just like that one was almost over the top too much like man your arms were tired after you know not too long and um so the pro kind of tames that down just a little bit but the 325 gives a you know still uh, in that shorter track a you know a bunch of playfulness which which i love Bruce, what are you putting on a sled deck? What what two Polaris's? Nine R for sure, um, and I would have went with three point two five until I heard him. Now he's got me thinking. Oh really? You're that <laughs> you're that easy? I'm that easy. That's what my wife said. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's got me. You know, I don't know. I I just, I do love that three point two five track. Like we all felt it last year, and the people that went to snow check, I talked them into the three point two five. So maybe I did them a injustice, but. Um, and then, yeah, any, any of the turbo players, but that, that but you got to pick one. Like that's the whole point. One. That's the whole point of the, it's a two place sled deck, not a six place. <laughs> I can stack them. <laughs> stack them like hay bales. Yeah. Stack them like hay bales. Standard <laughs> farmer. Yeah. What about you? What do Rock? I got? I got yeah. two sleds for the season, right? Yep. Two sleds. 146, 9R, 155 chaos boost. With, with what track? Uh, 325. On yeah. both? No. 
Well, you can't get the you, 325 you can't get on a 146. You can get the 226. Yep. Yeah, I'd probably go with Brock. They don't mind. You like that. So, so if I say something different, you want to you be like change me. again? The, what do you got? Huh? What do you got? Well, if you go back to what, what, the show that we did where we were talking about putting four sleds in four place. Yeah. My my top pick. Yeah, like, they, did, they it, didn't it, let me put mine in there because I said Arctic Cat, and they just oh, scratched just that. Can, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, can put a, you can put a cat in there. We'll, okay. we'll let you stack a cat up on top. Um, no, my, my top sleds were the free ride and the, the Cardi B. Yours was Cardi B, I think. My, my top sled is Cardi B. But you were, I, 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 was up, I was upset about not being able to cover the brake lever, yep. but that's been addressed. <laughs> so my, my top sled is Cardi B, which is uh, a Chaos Boost 155, but it's got to have the 325 track. And I'll probably only ride for half an hour because I'll be worn out, but it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be wild. Yeah, but you're done it too anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll ride from eleven to two. Yeah, yeah. 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 Give, give me, give me three hours, and then uh, number two is definitely going to be a nine R, and I think I would do either the one forty six two six, which we have, or the. Uh, I'm going to stay short. I'll do one fifty five. I'm going to go also the three twenty five. I'm going to go grab that one forty six. Go break it in this weekend. Oh man, it's a fun sled. You will break <laughs> it in. It's so fun. But I love the three twenty five, and I'm hoping we have the right snow for it this year. Like, like it was an easy pick last year. Yeah. But this sure. year is a different story. But that three twenty five on a one fifty five did things that a one seven five or two seven five on a longer track would do. Yeah. It's Agreed. Just, that was a good track. Good job, Polaris. On your three point two five. Yeah, we're stoked about it. That's yeah. for sure. But yeah, it, it's a specialty sled. It's like a gummy tire on a enduro bike. Like, like you got to be careful. Yeah. Like we might be to the point where you're you're replacing a track or two during the season, just like you're replacing a tire. A tire. Yeah, and they're cheap. If you're not careful with, they're it. cheap, so you'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have dog Polaris' tracks for forever, and I used to ride Polaris a lot. But yeah, props to them on this three point two five. Even your two point seven five is a ton better. So. Yeah. Well, the two, I I love the two six. I mean the two six. Like opened my eyes to like a track, yeah, lifting the chassis up out of the snow. Yeah, like when you feel feel that work rather than just the track is only there to make you go forward. Yeah, but the track is there to level the sled out, get up on top. The two six was a phenomenal track, still is, but it's just overshadowed because we everybody wants a deeper lug, just like the nine R is overshadowed because everybody wants a boost. Yep. Yeah, if you didn't have a boost, that nine R would be your top sled. Oh, by far. By far. Yeah. All right. Any any parting comments? We'll let Cal go. I know he's got, got work to do. Got to go work on those 28s. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, what's, yeah, what's uh, in store yeah. for your 28? Yeah, rock. <laughs> hey, Cal. Hey, the standard, gonna... the standard answer is we are always innovating. <laughs> okay, perfect. Are, are we going to see you in January, Cal? Yeah, I hope so. Oh, yeah. yeah, we just got the invite to that ride. So, yeah, hopefully you'll be there. I think it's in, yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. in, it's in Wyoming again. So. Afton. You get yeah. It. You get it. Okay. Don't throw any addresses out there. <laughs> Always fun to ride with you guys. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for all you do, Cal. Cal Larson, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Catch you guys later.